Hi, a quick note before we start. If you have young listeners with you, please be advised that this podcast contains strong language. Okay, let's start the show. Jason Weems is one of Baltimore's biggest comedians. One night, while he was performing, he had a severe asthma attack on stage. When his eyes went back in his head, it was like everything changed. I screamed, someone called 911, we need help. And I knew he had kids. And so I was like, am I watching somebody's dad die? The attack was so bad, his heart stopped. I mean, he was dead. He was totally dead. It was an awful thing to see. I'm Talia Bacassis, and this is First Day Back, a documentary podcast about trying to get your life back after an event that changes you. This season, I'm following the comedian Jason Weems, who's coming back from death. After the attack, every time I got on stage, I felt like I was always on the edge of having another attack. Now, Jason is dealing with his death the only way he knows how, by making jokes about it. I feel like 50 Cent when he dropped his first album. Like, 50 got shot nine times, I died of an asthma attack. Pretty much the same thing in the streets. (laughs) When I feel that anxiety, I feel that fear, which I think are going to actually help me see the material clearer. Jason's first day back is a second chance. What will he do with it? A first day back isn't the same thing as a first day. With a first day, a person is trying something new. New job, new city, new relationship. With a first day back, that person has been through a life-changing event and is just trying to get back to life. But they're not the same person anymore. May 3rd, 2017 is the night that changed everything for Jason Weems. It's 6 p.m., Jason's picked up his kids from school and fed them dinner. They're in their PJs when his wife, Dion, gets home. They're working parents, Dion with a corporate marketing job, and Jason with comedy, a night gig. Their life is like a relay race, and Jason is passing the parenting baton to Dion now. Jason jumps in the car to go to a comedy show in Philadelphia, two hours away. He's done comedy for years, but on the long drive, Jason still feels nervous about getting on stage. Tonight's show is at the Bardo Cafe, a bar with a distinctly boudoir feel. Lots of red velvet, damask wallpaper. It's a long, narrow room that fits a surprisingly big crowd. Here's Matt Wirtz, the bartender. We usually pack the house for it, maybe about 80 to 100 people. Local comedians and comedians from all over the country, actually, will come and perform. Hey, everybody! Comedian Michelle Balloon created and hosts the show. She met Jason a couple years ago in L.A. And so I was excited for him to go up because I knew he was going to kill. I, I just think he's so funny, you know, and just so naturally strong. And I just knew that he's one of those people just like a, I can't wait for you to see him kind of a people, you know. When Jason arrives, Michelle's already on stage. He orders a vodka from the bar, but they only have wine, so he gets a glass of red. He takes just one sip, and Michelle's already calling him up. Jason bounces on stage, and right away, he takes control of the room. 
It was about like two minutes into his skit and people were into it. And he started this with this like coughing spell that like came over him. I mean, everyone noticed it, not just me, but it was like into the mic. That's Lauren Fox. She's a regular at comedy night, but that night she had planned on staying home and her boyfriend convinced her to come out. And then he brought out his inhaler and right on stage, like in front of the mic, he tried to use it. Just off stage, Michelle could see Jason struggling too. And he goes, oh, and he kind of puts his hand on the stool. And he goes like this, he goes, and he makes a joke about the inhaler, like where he's trying to make it be funny, like to the crowd and not like a thing, you know, and he does inhaler for a second time. And then he just kind of stops for a second. Lauren, the regular, was in a booth near the front with her boyfriend. She remembers Jason apologizing to the crowd. And then he started to try to, like, tell another joke. And then he just, like, put the mic back in the stand and, like, walked off the stage. So I go on stage, and I kind of was like, oh, Jason, I made fun of him a little bit. And I just didn't even think about waiting for him. I was like, I did, like, three jokes to kind of be like, you guys, it's, everything's fine. Like, then I ended the show. It was actually my boyfriend who turned to me and said, you should, you should maybe see if that guy's okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, I should. There's a good reason Lauren's boyfriend said that to her. She's a physician's assistant in an emergency room. The closest thing to a doctor without being a doctor. So I went up to the bartender and I said, did that comedian, like, come get water? And he's like, yeah, I think he's sitting outside. So I'm like, okay. So I go out. And he is sitting on the stoop and he's hunched over. I just immediately saw his coloring was off. He looked sweaty. Like he, you could see like the perspiration on his forehead. He was kind of like in like a squat position and then he had like his arms on his knees and he had his inhaler in his right hand. So I'm like, what's going on? Do you have asthma? Like, is this why you have the inhaler? He's like, yeah, I have really bad asthma. Jason tells her he has a nebulizer machine, which she knows is a device to treat serious asthma because she has serious asthma herself. So she sends someone to go get it, while she and a friend grab Jason by the arm and help him walk inside. Matt, the bartender, was watching everything. So this is where I first noticed something's wrong. I see Jason over in the other corner of the bar, over by the bathrooms, with Lauren standing in front of him, unfolding his nebulizer to help him breathe better. Lauren was trying to get Jason to respond, prompting him to keep his head up, his neck up, anything to show he could support himself. I describe it as just like the color was just like coming right out of him, and he was becoming a little bit less responsive to me. And Lauren, um, who I didn't know by name, but I knew I'd seen her at the show, was back there with Jason, and she had his breathing treatment. And Jason was freaking out, and he was very scared. You know, you see in his eyes. I remember him looking at me. It was it was terrifying, and you know, I didn't want to scare him. At the same time, Lauren, the physician's assistant, grabs Michelle. She asks Michelle the checklist of questions she usually asks patients' families at the hospital. How old is he? Does he have a, like, she doesn't know what's going on. Does he have a drug problem? And, and she goes, do you know anything else about him? This doesn't seem like asthma. And, and I just said, I, no, I don't. And every time she asked me that, I felt so bad. 
Michelle and Jason were comedy friends, so they didn't know each other's husbands or wives, or even if they were married. Michelle told all the other comics on the bill that night to get on Facebook, get on Twitter, get on anything, and find Jason's family. Had to be over the course of a couple minutes, Jason starts grabbing his chest, and he went from uh, having trouble talking to having trouble breathing. He could barely speak, like barely speak. And then he just was like nothing. It was like white lips, white face, like just totally limp. It was really like an awful thing to see. When his eyes went back in his head and she immediately, it was like everything changed. And she's like, what the fuck? You know, like, what the fuck? You know, his heart just stopped. He's having a heart attack. You know what I mean? Like, what is happening? At that point, I screamed, someone called 911, we need help. I stood up for a second. I remember standing up, yelling to the bartender, Matt, like, do you have an AED, like a defibrillator? And they didn't. I mean, he was dead. He was totally dead. He literally had no pulse, and I think it was at that point when I just, like, went into, like, overdrive. The basics of CPR that they stress in our head is no pulse, compress. So at that point, I did three and a half minutes of compressions, just straight. And everybody was crowded around, you know. And I knew he had kids, you know. And my dad died at 40. And um, and so I was like, am I watching somebody's dad die? He was dying in front of us. Just no one knew what to do. Everyone was in shock, I think. As we're waiting for the EMTs to show up, one comedian, Ryan Shaner, I remember him very vividly standing on 5th Street, literally doing jumping jacks for the ambulance and the fire truck to come show him exactly where the bar is. People are outside screaming like, this is where he is. He's not breathing. He's He's got no pulse. By now, Jason hasn't had blood flow for a dangerous amount of time. The brain can survive about six minutes after the heart stops. After that, brain damage is real. And we were screaming. We were like, he's dying, he's dying. Get in there, get in there. We'll be right back. There are so many podcasts out there. It can be hard to sort through the noise and find one you love. I want to recommend one of my favorites, Reveal, from the Center for Investigative Reporting and PRX. I listen to the show for its in-depth reporting of important stories where often I've heard a bit about it, but I want to know what's really going on. For example, in their episode Silencing Science, Reveal exposed how officials at the National Park Service tried to censor a climate scientist, one who'd been hired to research 100 national parks and how climate change could cause future flooding. But after the Trump administration took over, the researcher was pressured to delete references to humans causing climate change. Facts matter, today more than ever. Every week, Reveal digs super deep to uncover corruption, deception, malfeasance, inequality. And year after year, Reveal wins many of the biggest awards in journalism. And the sound is transportive. For some of the best reporting out there, check out Reveal on iTunes, Radio Public, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Learn more at revealnews.com. 
www.lifeaudioworkshop.org. The EMTs finally arrive on the scene in Philadelphia. The search for Jason's family on social media is going mini-viral. It's a frenzy. Comedians across the country are shooting messages back and forth to each other, from L.A. to Baltimore to Philly to New York. Everyone wants to help, but there's a lot of broken telephone. And the biggest problem is nobody can reach Jason's wife, Dion. By one in the morning, a friend named Brian Robinson gets a message. He calls Dion over and over, and he can't get her to pick up. But he knows where they live. I get to the house because I remember they had a red door. I remember this red door. I get out, and I go to the house. I knock on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And then the doorbell started ringing. And it's one of those things where you, like, wake up quickly. And immediately, I threw my arm to Jason's side of the bed. Just like in the horror movies, when something bad happens, you expect that the guy's going to go downstairs and, like, check it out. So when I'm hearing this doorbell ring, I reach over to Jason like okay can you go get this and I look Jason's not here okay and now as the doorbell continues to ring I'm thinking about the fact that shit they're gonna wake up the kids whoever this is you're gonna wake up my boy so I run downstairs I look through the window I see Dion coming to the door and I'm like um yeah they're trying to reach you because you need to call Jason because you got an asthma attack on stage And I'm realizing now, you know, it's all coming together that it's one o'clock in the morning. Brian is standing at my door, his car. He has his hazards on in the middle of traffic in front of the house. And I'm like, what are you talking? He's like, look, I got a call that, you know, Jason's at a show and I don't know, something happened. But he had to go to the hospital. I need you to, you know, here's here's the number call. So I'm like, what? So I'm now I'm taking this number and I call the young lady who picks up the phone and she sounds frantic. She was like, here, here's a doctor. He was like, we have him on um, a ventilation now, and we need for you to come. How quickly can you be here? Now, I've seen Grey's Anatomy and ER, and the way that he said it, it was always with that tone when someone is saying this could be your last. Dion decides she can't get emotional yet. She goes into task mode making a mental list of everything she has to do. She figures she can't wake the boys and put them in the car, so she calls her in-laws to come stay at the house with the sleeping kids. Jason's parents come over wide-eyed and scared. They exchange frantic whispers with Dion and say to her, just go, go, go. Dion gets in the car and starts this long drive to Philadelphia. The car feels like it isn't moving fast enough. She has to sit through two hours with no idea what she'll find when she gets there. And when she arrives, it's a shock. To see him hooked up to all these where I didn't know that he was on life support. I did not know that something was breathing for him. They've got Jason hooked up to all types of wires, IV, he has the thing in his throat, um, the, the looseness just on his lip as the tube has been running, you know, rubbing against his his lip. He looked dead. He looked like he was not alive. It scared the shit out of me. 
It scared the shit out of me. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, very foggy, not knowing where I was. I didn't know what was real anymore. Like, am I dead right now? And this is like some sixth sense type stuff. Like, am I gone already? Like, I kind of vaguely remember being at a comedy show. I'm, I'm like second guessing who I am. I'm like, am I Jason Williams? Am I a comedian? Since that night in Philly, I've been following Jason, getting to know his family, hanging out with his comedian pals, and witnessing the ups and downs of his recovery. Jason's first day backstory isn't a straight line. There are a lot of surprises along the way. He wants to keep doing comedy. The stage is where he's always felt the most alive. But now it's a place of real trauma. Can Jason process his death on stage? Or has this just changed him too much? This season on First Day Back, join me for the story of Jason Weems, a comedian who lives and died for comedy. Next time on First Day Back. We were sitting at like a red light. There was a guy walking across the crosswalk. And I was saying like, if I didn't come back, that guy would probably still be walking across this crosswalk. Like the world keeps happening. I'm just not in it. If I didn't wake back up, I wouldn't know that I didn't wake back up. Like it would just been, kids don't have a daddy now. And my wife said something to me. She said that she was a widow for five minutes and didn't know it. I think that hit me harder than even when the doctor told me that I was dead. First Day Back is reported and produced by me, Talia Abacassis, and Mark George. The show is edited by Mary Beth Kirshner, and our executive producers are Suzanne Reber and Ellen Weiss. Sound design and score by David Herman, and fact-checking by Aisha Bagshi. Special thanks to the Weems family, Dave Shaw, Elahe Azadi, and David Mizraki. First Day Back is a production of the Scripps Washington Bureau and Stitcher. Our executive producers at Stitcher are Jenny Radelet and Chris Bannon. You can find First Day Back on Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. You can hear ad-free episodes of First Day Back only on Stitcher Premium. For a free month trial, go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code FIRST. If you like First Day Back, don't forget to rate and review it on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Talia Bacassis, and you can find me on Twitter at Talia Bacassis or on our website, firstdayback.com. Thanks for listening, and talk to you next week. Yeah.